Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City, your Sunday night with Speed City. This is John Massengill. I'm sitting in the studio in Austin, Texas. And I've got Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser both joining me over Zoom. I'll start with you, Mr. Jonathan Green. You're in New Zealand, buddy. How are you? Doing good. Loving it down here. This is the land of great rally uh, stages, and we're about to get the best rally drivers in the world. And as you can see from my backdrop, 29th to the 2nd of October. New Zealand, buddy. How are you? Doing good. We're about to get the best. We have a major echo, Mr. Green. Can you turn down your, your – there you go. That better? Uh, no, we echo. still got we still got a, a major echo. There you go. Yeah. That better? No, echo. I might be yours, Les. There we go. That was it. Sorry, folks. We are having some technology issues tonight, but we think we're about to get them under control. All right, well, we're gonna. Les, how are you, buddy? Hey, doing great, doing great. A lot of uh, a lot of fun, a lot of things to talk about with it. So I'm I'm happy. Let Let's get into the fun. Well, we do have lots to talk about. So let me run down what we are going to talk about tonight. We've got we're one month away from the Formula One United States Grand Prix here in Austin, Texas. Exactly four weeks from this weekend, and it's uh, couldn't be more exciting here in Austin. The city is starting to to wake up and get ready for for the uh, USGP. So. We're excited about that. Formula One announced its 24-race calendar for 2023. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the details of that, including Las Vegas. Some more details came out about that. Very cool stuff. We'll talk about that. And a little MotoGP action in Japan. Mark Marquez had a very interesting weekend. Back to racing. So uh, we'll talk about that. But a bunch of what we're going to talk about tonight is... A little bit of the silly season discussion. We're going to talk about the teams that don't have all their seats firmed up in Formula One for 2023. So we'll talk all of that. But I think now that we have our technology figured out, we are going to talk about the calendar and the 2023 Formula One calendar. 24 races. Jonathan, did you ever think you'd see 24 races on a Formula One calendar back in the day? I'm just glad I'm not doing the full championship <laughs> every round. I don't, I don't envy Mr. Medlin. 24 is a lot. Uh, I, I don't think it's sustainable, honestly, for, uh, you know, the next five years. Uh, and, you know, I remember Dave O'Neill talking about the fact that the, the, the sort of um, the attrition rate for the mechanics, they don't see their wives, families, kids for so long. And I just wonder if it's too much, but you know, I don't want to be negative. I mean, it's a hell of a, it's a hell of a series. Um, and there's some great venues. Um, but I'm wondering now whether some of these venues could be every two years rather than every year. Well, that is interesting. What do you think, Les? I totally agree. Uh, you know, the hearing and talking to some of the folks around the paddock that, uh, I mean, last year they felt it was too much and, Jonathan's exactly right. He's lived that life enough and it's going to be tough to sustain that. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see these people getting wore out over their job. I think, uh, I think, you know, a couple of things, budgets, the more races there are, the more likelihood you're going to have to spend bigger money on budgets. 
attrition rate of parts, all, all those kinds of things. Um, it's a tough life to lead, especially if you have a family and a, a tight budget. Well, all of that yeah. is bad for them and good for us because we get to, to have what yeah. we get to watch tons of racing. So, um, one but, thing I will say, John, that um, Liberty Media have made a good effort. If you look at the sort of pairing of uh, where they're going, they're making a much more solid effort not to spring from one continent to another and try to do, you know, much more logistic planning, which wasn't really part of the scene. And even, you know, it just take our leg, if you will, which is Coda, uh, Mexico, Brazil, Vegas. So you stay on the, you know, you stay in that North American area rather than zipping back to Japan or, you know. So they have made an effort to not cut costs, but at least uh, make it make it more, you, you know, uh, useful as a, yeah. as a as a as a as a championship. Well, and you could you could you know, they could throw the, the sustainability part of that because they've been folks so focused on that. But let's talk about this. So we're starting this year on May on March fifth in Bahrain, and that's the earliest it's been in a long time. And we're ending in Abu Dhabi on November twenty sixth. So we're not getting into December, but we are starting very early in March. And of course, we've got some interesting. We've got races in uh, China and Qatar returning. And, of course, Vegas making its debut and the French Grand Prix going away from this year's schedule. And this is going to be a really nice one to say, guys. The United States is the country with the most races, as we know. It's hosting three. So we got Miami again in May, Austin in October, and Vegas on uh, Saturday night, November 18. Uh, of course, Italy has two, but Saturday night in Vegas, boys and girls. I think – I mean I, – <laughs> Some people are saying, why is it starting so late? There's been a bunch of chatter about, look, they're trying to grow the sport in the United States. Why haven't it so late? Because it's Vegas, baby. Vegas didn't even get going until 10 o'clock. Can you imagine if they had it at, you know, in the afternoon, there'd be nobody there. They'd all be still in bed. Yeah. Two triple headers. Yeah, I this, year. For that. this week I heard from a collective group of friends in Vegas, and uh, they're really starting to stir things up. Uh, the folks there are starting to hear about it. And remember when they first talked about F1 in Vegas, Vegas sees so many conferences, sees so many major events taking place that uh, many of them don't realize the uh, enormous scope of Formula One. And so uh, I was happy to hear that these guys are beginning to hear it uh, you know, spoken more often. Uh, one of them already is called up and asked, where do I get my tickets? And I said, can't get them yet, but hold on. Mm. Well, yeah. And also you, you mentioned that late start time. That's because Vegas also planned to do what Vegas does, which is put on yep. a really big entertainment uh, setup and lead up. Uh, and of course they've got it all on hand. I mean, if you go to Vegas, you know that uh, you can see several um, superstars uh, playing each night in Vegas so you've got the gambling, you've got the entertainment, you've got some amazing shows, Cirque du Soleil, you name it. And then that'll lead up to the Grand Prix. So it'll be one hell of a weekend as a spectacle. Yep. And um, the racetrack looks pretty interesting, too, because the racetrack is long and with a nice long straight, too. So it's going to be really interesting to watch this thing come together. And I've seen there's a few photos out. Do you see those guys about the buildings and stuff? Yeah. yeah, I have. Uh, they're coming up. In fact, there was already some construction going on along the route of the track that uh, they're looking to push it and accelerate it a little bit quicker to make sure it is set 
uh, for multiple reasons. For one, construction near the track. Two, it's actually an opportunity to have additional venue and space for the race itself right on the edge of the uh, strip there. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. I mean, they're saying 210 miles an hour right through all those crazy historic landmarks, hotels, casinos, and everything right on the Vegas Strip. And all right, both Jonathan, I bet you can even tell me the year, but I bet both you guys can. What? Uh, when's the last time we were in Vegas? It was a disaster. I know that. Um, and, and that's, I was about to say one of the things, I, I think it was 80. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to have to cheat. Y'all are Googling it. Y'all are taking too long. Cause I now you're, no, I've told you, I got to cheat. It's 81 and 84. 82. 84. I didn't know about, <laughs> yeah. but, but that was in the car park at Caesar's palace. And the, yeah. the, the thing I was going to mention, John is this is not a temporary fix. Uh, Liberty are voting with their feet. They bought land um right there to develop um you know there's 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 talk of a ferrari world so that instead of just sort of making it a temporary thing um they are in for the long run they want vegas to have this grand prix for many years to come and that's important because it was always a bit of a sideshow you know and it never really it wasn't ever a successful event in formula one and also the other thing i was going to make a point of is look where it is in the championship if we have a tight championship, no data from Vegas, and then you're putting the championship on the line with Abu Dhabi to come, where you've got lots of data, so it could prove to be one of the most important races of the year. Yeah, you put put it on a calendar spot right at the end there, and you're absolutely right. You could set it up that way, couldn't you? So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but what about the rest of the calendar, Jonathan? We we uh, don't have Russia, thank goodness. Um, Yes. But, but what about the other, you know, we got China back on now. Um, what do you think about some of those changes in, in this 24-way yeah, schedule? I'm sad. I'm sad about France for the simple reason that Alpine and the French drivers that we've got, um, and I thought Eric Bouillet did a good job. I think it should be Magna Corps myself instead of Paul Ricard. I never liked Paul Ricard. Um, I, I'm still not 100% sold on Imola, much as I love it as a track um it's you know it's tight uh and there's not a lot of overtaking uh obviously miami did a hell of a job they deserve to be there azerbaijan is now becoming a classic having china back on i think it's timely in that uh it's it's you know um it's in shanghai which has got a fantastic formula one circuit they've got a chinese driver although he's not confirmed yet we'll get into that later but Guan Yu Zhao uh, will be, a, you know, a billboard, a billboard for them. And it's the first real Chinese driver they've had um, that can, you know, bring Formula One back to China. Um, uh, yeah. So in all in all, there's, you know, on all the classics are there, you know, so uh, I think it's good. Um, I'm not a big fan of Qatar as a track. I've been there many times on bikes um, and I don't like the the amount of Middle Eastern uh races we've got which if i'm being a cynic are for money rather than venue uh same with the world cup soccer in qatar you know um, yeah and i'm not gonna make any middle eastern friends but it's the truth you know um so that's just my personal take um i think abu dhabi's well established but i don't think qatar as well as bahrain and i mean you know you talk about america having three races well the middle east has four yeah uh, a couple comments coming in on youtube um Frank says, hopefully it won't be bumpy like most new circuits. Vegas is a great backdrop for racing. Yeah, that's cool. 
Paul Bryan says 10 p.m. just like a heavyweight champ fight. That's true. In Vegas, that's what you yeah. get. Um, this one, this is something that I had forgotten about. And Old Timer says, did you see the NASCAR series that's been uh, on the USA Network? I haven't seen that. And it's like it's a copy of Drive to Survive, but I've been meaning to check it out. But I, don't, I haven't, Old Timer. And I don't, have you guys seen that yet? What is it? It's it's like a Drive to Survive for, for NASCAR. It's on the USA Network. I no, not. I have not. I haven't seen either. the Bubba Wallace one. I know. I have a hard enough time keeping up with everything that's happening in Formula One. But um, Jonathan, I got a question for you. Uh, going back to Vegas and speaking of it, I mean, Vegas is a showtown, gambling, you know, people from all over the world come there. But relative to it, you call the Macau Grand Prix regularly. What is it like in a location like that when the motorsports world comes? to the streets. You know, I hadn't thought about it, but that's a really good parallel. In fact, it's probably the best parallel there is because yeah, Macau is now what, in its 67th year this year. Um, so it's been running that event around the streets since 1954, long before it was a parallel, if not bigger than Vegas as a gambling capital. And now Macau is the gambling capital with wins and, and uh, MGM and all, all the same people that are in Vegas because they did a deal. Stanley Ho, uh, who's the big gambling guy in um, Macau, did a deal with the Vegas uh, outfits. And therefore now Macau is, you know, uh, this this huge Vegas wannabe, as it were, but it, it actually turns it's over bigger. more than Vegas. In, yeah, it is. It turns over more than Vegas in one week than Vegas turns over in a month. That gives you an idea. But to answer your question, it's fantastic because everybody's there for that. It, you know, it's a lottery, just like gambling. And so is motorsport around a street circuit. So to be honest, there's, there's a lot of parallels there. And, you know, people go there to take a risk, to be, to, to, to you know, to throw the dice. And that, you know, I mean, I know it's a cliche, but that really is what the, the race itself is about because it's Armco everywhere. And this will be the, the same for Vegas. So, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, um, I don't think there's any truth to the fact that uh, how many times Crofty will say out go the lights is an actual bet you can um, <laughs> bet on. Or if Martin Brundle will get the names of any of the celebrities wrong. But I'm sure there'll be a sweepstakes of some sort. <laughs> All hey, right, so gentlemen, we got to get a break in real quick here. And right. when we come back, we have a phone call lit up. By the way, if you want to join the conversation, 512-643-LIVE. But we got a caller on the line. We have a young Austin race driver going to join us. Stick with us. We'll be back after these messages. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. We said we had a phone call, and we are really excited. We have a young race driver from Austin, right here in Austin, and he has been competing in the Formula Four, the U.S. Formula Four Championship. And we have Ryan Sheehan on the phone. Hey, Ryan, how's it going, man? It's going good. Thanks for having me. Well, we could not have you with as much success as you've been having lately. Congratulations, man! You're you're killing it lately. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a really good year. Um, so, yeah, just hoping to carry that momentum through the rest of the year and then into next year. Well, Jonathan Green says he's got all the results. Jonathan, tell us how good this boy's been doing. Well, I mean, just at Jer New Jersey last time out, I mean, he, he, he was unstoppable. Uh, <laughs> am I right in saying a win and two podiums? 
Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, yeah three podiums in total, including a win. So it's wow. pretty hard to beat that. <laughs> and that puts you uh, with six to go. That puts you in contention for the overall title, right? Yep, yep, definitely still in the hunt for the title. That's obviously our goal. So yeah, I'm going for that. Ah, uh, this is a great story, Ryan. As you know, we followed you since you started. Uh, and just to remind our audience, tell us how you got the dream, if yeah. you will. Tell us how how you went to Coda and got the dream. Yeah, so I went to Coda, um, you know, I think it was a year after it opened, went to a sports car race and just fell in love. So um, I guess you could say Coda kind of did its job in bringing the, <laughs> the Formula One dream to United, the United States. Um, so now we're on that, that ladder and hopefully we'll, we'll get there one day. Ryan, this is so cool watching you. I mean, because you never know how someone's going to do, right? You just, you have no idea. I mean, we saw some inklings of of how good you could be early on last year. But, I mean, this is really fantastic. I mean, I, I immediately start going, okay, what's next? I know you I know you have to get through a season, but what what would happen if you won the championship or finished to top two or three in the championship? Do you think you might jump to FR Americas, the F3 series? Yeah, that's definitely our goal. Um, I think that we've proved proven that we have the speed um, in, in F4 and that we can carry that to, to the next level and then try to get some results there. So, yeah, Formula Regional Americas is definitely um, our goal for next year. Um, that'll be the move. Hey, Ryan. So, I, Ryan what, go ahead, Jonathan. Go ahead. What, what you need to do then is to get top three in Formula 4, then come down here to New Zealand where I am right now for the Toyota Racing Series – which is also an FIA scoring super license point scoring championship. Take on the rest of the world, then head back and do FR. Deal? Yeah, yeah, I do know some Kiwis, so uh, <laughs> yeah, so that 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 might be possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're with the, the Kiwi Motorsport team. That's true. Uh, I was about Jonathan. You beat me too. It's sort of I was I couldn't remember if you get any super license. You would think I would know every super license points after all this crazy discussion, but are there any super license points in? Um, FIF in the, uh, uh, F4 Americas. Yeah. Um, yes. it's, it's obviously not a, a ton, but it is, uh, it is a good amount. I think it's 12 to win the wow. championship, which can be the, that can, can make the difference. I think Colton Herta only needed like eight. Yeah. Max. Eight. Um, so it could be the difference, you know? Yeah. 12 What's points? your take on all that? Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, yeah. What exactly? What's your take on this whole crazy situation? I think it's complicated. I mean, obviously, the super license system, you know, it's it's there for a reason. But I think that they could do some some reworking on the the kind of indie side just to give it a little bit, a little bit more. At least bring IndyCar up to F two level. I think that that would be a good, um, a good way to kind of even the playing field. But I think that there could definitely be some reworking there. Yeah, I think that is the consensus, isn't it? Everybody is saying that if they could fix IndyCar, that would probably that would solve the crazy problem we have. But if we've talked about it a bunch, Ryan. So, well, Ryan, what's been what's been, I guess going to say what's been the, the the best weekend? But it has to be the last one. But but what about this year, just in general? Talk about it because this is really amazing. Yeah, I mean, we did a ton of work, um, not just in the car, but over the winter, just. You know the physical training, the the mental side of it. So we've done a ton of work there, and so we really hit the ground running this year. Um, and I think that that's 
that's really shown with the results that not just me, but the entire Kiwi team um, is bringing in. Because I believe, I believe my teammate Bryson Morris is second. So I feel like we're and we're leading the team championship. So I think that really shows where we are and that you know we're with the best in the business. So um, yeah, I'm really. Really proud of the team and really happy to be to be working with them this year. Hey, uh, Ryan, we got a question on YouTube. Wesman wants to know who are your racing heroes. Yeah, I started. I mean, I started really following racing around 2013, 2014. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I mean, relatively new um, compared to some people who have been in it for for decades. But you know, I'm a I'm a fan of all the, you know, the kind of people I can relate to. So the younger, younger drivers. So the, the Lando Norris's, the, the George Russell's, Alex Albon's. Um, so yeah, um, I do appreciate Max Verstappen's just his, I mean, his, his skill. Um, his, you know, his amazing driver, no matter what people say. So I'd say that he's one of my heroes just because of, you know, you can't really get in his head. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan, you got one? Yeah, Ryan. You know, as you know, I followed you very closely. Full, full, full sort of exposure. We, we, we followed because you're from Austin, especially. Um, but I was there when you got your first pole in F4 at VIR. Um, and you know, I've been watching very closely. Do you now have? Uh, by the way, ten points for a win in the Toyota Racing Series Super License Points. So <laughs> go come for it. But um, do you have a driver coach or somebody who is helping you become a better driver? Uh, I don't have a personal driver coach. Um, it's we have engineers with with Kiwi who work with all the or not all the drivers, but we'll work with um, me and a few drivers. Um, but yeah, I don't have a personal coach, but I've never really found that I needed one um, because the engineers do such a good job. You know, with the overlaying my data uh, with with my teammates, I can see where maybe I'm better. Where, where they're better, we, where we can watch video. So I've never really f- found that I need, you know, a personal racing coach. Um, I feel like the engineers do, do such a great job that it's never really been necessary. Les, you got one? Yeah, you know, Ryan, one of the things I was talking to somebody this week about it, and they're like, you know, my kid's really getting into this. Of course, they fell in love with it through Netflix. You know, they got a six-year-old. We, we want him to be the next, you know, Lewis Hamilton. Well, you know, they keep saying, you know, what do we do for a six-year-old to get out? And I'm like, it's carding, carding, carding. Get them out there. Start, you know, get behind the wheel. Start pushing the limits and learning what goes on with it. Uh, you cut your teeth around here. Can you kind of give some tips a little bit deeper than that? Yeah, I mean, carding is obviously, you know, the first step. It's definitely the way to go. It's where you kind of learn the ropes, learn. I think the most, I think you learn most of your racecraft in carding because um, obviously the car is pretty different handling wise. So I feel like it's really just for learning, you know, the basics of, of car control and then your racecraft um, mostly. But yeah, I'd say start young, as young as you can, so that you're getting, you know, the maximum amount of time before you're in a car. And I mean, just just drive. Really, once you're starting out, you're learning, you know, so much every time you get in the seat. That seat time is is so important. That yeah, just just drive and race wherever you can. Ryan, you know, you've got a really cool story because you're doing great right now, and 
your dad is not Lawrence Stroll. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> your dad is awesome. I I know him, but he does not. And that's a compliment. He does not have his own uh, racetrack and a fleet of Ferraris for you to practice on. So you guys have done an amazing job. <laughs> you uh, both, you guys have worked so hard to find sponsors, to be in the public, getting in with the Chamber of Commerce doing everything you can and you guys could write a book on how to do this. I swear you've, you've really done everything right. The tenacity that both of you guys have shown is really an amazing story. And we are going to follow that story and hope to uh, hope to see you. Let's see uh, if you go the regular path, you, you, will you be old enough to drink when you go to Vegas? Probably not. Cause how old are you now, Ryan? 17? Yeah, Six- I'm 17. I mean, yeah. Next year, by the time Vegas comes around, I'll be uh, I'll be eighteen, so not <laughs> not yet. Uh, well, Ryan, thanks for calling in, buddy. It was really last minute. I just shot you a quick phone call right for the show because I saw how good you were doing. We really appreciate hey, you John, coming on. Yeah. Let me just tell the folks in Austin: come see him November six, Transact yeah. at Coda, as well as F four. It'll be the last three races of the season, and I know my boy Sheehan's going to be going for the title. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ryan, thanks, buddy. We'll see you soon. Thank you guys for having me. All right. You got it, Ryan. Take care, man. All right, guys, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk F1 silly season and all these remaining seats in Formula One. Back after these messages. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. Okay, once again, Paul Bryan, I, I swear he's bugging my phone because Paul Bryan says that young, bravo, that young man presents verbally better than any other and many, many every other young and many older drivers you've had on, and you know I'm a tough critic, well done. Well, while, yeah, yeah. while Ryan was talking, I was thinking that because two year, just two years ago when we were doing some stuff for them, he was not that great on the microphone, and he sounded just... Fantastic, didn't he? So you're right on the money, Paul. Uh, Brian yeah. says, with little or no noise coming out of Andretti in regards to their F1, is that actually promising news-ish? Question mark. And my response to that is, um, the fact that it's quiet is a neither here nor there, but we're hearing still good thing, good rumors that it's not dead, gentlemen. And we do have some pretty good connections there. So it's we don't know anything for sure, but... I, I know that it's not dead, at least as of, you know, 48 hours ago. So uh, keep your hopes up there. I still have actually pretty high hopes. And, and mine went up when Porsche dropped out of their relationship with Red Bull. And I don't know anything about that, but it just makes way too much sense for that to not at least be a conversation. So, and Jonathan, um, you had the incredible theory that we've all been talking about but you've you've got a theory 1.5 or 2.0 now? 2.0 now, yeah. Um, well, I told you about my theory of, of Helmut Marco selling his AlphaTauri team to um, uh, to Michael Andretti. That was my first theory, right? And that's possible, especially now that uh, uh, Porsche have pulled out. Uh, if you remember, Michael said he's got a deal with Renault engines, um, but there's but he's also running Honda in Indy, which is what AlphaTauri run and what Red Bull runny run. So. There's some crossovers there. That was my first theory. But my next one is, if the truth is they don't want another franchise, and there's no question that Toto 
um, you know, and the other teams, including Haas, have said they don't want an 11 franchise, even though there are a potential of 13. But even Dominicali has come out and said, you know, I'm not so sure that we want another one right now. So my next theory is Zach Brown. Okay. Zach Brown is in already bed with uh, yep. Michael Andretti and is running Andretti drivers on his Friday run program. He's in bed with him in Australia in supercars, and he's in bed with him in uh, Formula Extreme, which is happening this weekend. Um, uh, so there's a lot of crossover between Zach Brown and Michael Andretti. And maybe Michael's best bet is for McLaren on celebrating their 75th anniversary next year to announce a second McLaren team. Uh, okay i do like this i do like this uh let us know what you think about that either in the comments uh or you can always facebook or tweet at us too um very interesting jonathan um, well i mean that would be another franchise but it would be connected to mclaren f1 yeah yeah the thing i, I do like about it is it, a, the, it's the same thing could do it really yeah and I, one thing i do like about it is something that i've thought about you know, people talk about how this huge bulge of fans that we've got from Drive to Survive and how that could be a, a bit of a fad. Who knows how long fads last, right? But Andretti is one of those teams that's in it for the long haul, right? I would think that they're you, – you you, we see manufacturers come in and out of motorsport all the time, but Andretti is there for the long haul. They'll – if some if, – if they if – they, let's say they work a deal with Porsche and then Porsche decides they want out, they could work with somebody else. And the same thing with, with McLaren, with Zach Brown. You know, you, you don't see them wanting to drop in and out. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, one more thing. Just a personal note, Mr. T Mr. Wolf, if you're listening, Toto. <laughs> Michael Andretti is not just successful in America, as you have been quoted as saying. He's doing a good job in America. But yeah. um, Michael Andretti is a successful motorsport businessman worldwide, globally, way outside of your tiny bubble of Mercedes, my friend. Yeah, good point. All right, let's talk silly season drivers, Jonathan, because there's still some seats that are not uh, they're not full for next year. Because we've wrote down what we called we talked spoke earlier. We said Alpine, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Haas, Alphatari, and Williams. To me, those are okay. the ones that have second seats. So um, I want to start with Williams because that's where. Logan Sargent can end up. Wesman says on YouTube, as long as Logan Sargent doesn't have a terrible weekend in Abu Dhabi, he's almost certainly got himself for that Williams drive. And what has to happen with that and what Wesman is talking about is super license points once again because Logan Sargent needs to finish third or higher. No, wait, I'm sorry. That's not right. He needs to finish. Let me look at my notes here because um, he could. That, that, that There's a whole bunch of drivers that are right there in with him right now. And yeah. he and he, if he doesn't get those super license points, he uh, he could be you know that that's a as we've seen that's a problem. So what do you think about? First of all, let's talk Williams, Jonathan. What else besides Logan Sargent? Well, the problem that Logan has got, as you know, he's the official reserve driver, and he'll be doing a Friday drive um, at Circuit of the Americas. But he's got some competition because obviously Mercedes, uh, the Williams use Mercedes engines, and therefore Nick de Vries who came in um, and did a very good job when he had to, um, you know, uh, could well be in the, the hunt for that seat. Ricardo's still floating around with 20 million in his back pocket. 
Um, you know, still a very good set of hands. Williams on the up and up. They could do with a real star like uh, Ricardo uh, to help Auburn as well. That's a good combo. Um, you know, um, but Sergeant's the coming man and Sergeant's going to have the points. And we do need an American on the grid in Vegas. Yeah, alongside Alexander Alban there. So, all right. So let's look at uh, let's look at Haas next. And Kevin Magnuson is is staying for sure. And it looks like that uh, Schumacher's out. So the names that have been thrown again around are again Daniel Ricardo and of course Nico Hulkenberg. Les, what do you think? Who do you think is uh, got the inside track there? Uh, I think uh, my heart and head are together on Daniel Ricardo. A couple of reasons. Really? Okay. Uh, great personality. Uh, but why? Ha- why do you think Haas is going to take him? Why? Because Overhaul. yard sale material. Daniel Ricardo doesn't have to get his full salary next year. He could negotiate. I'll give you half price this year, but if I do this for you this first time with you next year, that is. He could buy a drive. Do that. I go back to you know a solid salary. We predetermine some scale at that point. Daniel Ricardo loves the United States. Love you know hangs out in LA a lot. Uh, just kind of loves the American Wild West persona, if you will. Uh, Haas could use a veteran in that seat who has proven well with cars. He's uh, well-spoken around the engineering speak. Uh, and I don't see any conflict between he and Magnuson. So I think that's an, an element that needs to be said. I don't know. I, I, I think Hulk's got the inside track. I think you said Daniel Ricardo likes the United States. Yes, that's clear. I don't know if there's enough tie there with Haas, honestly. Um, so to go NASCAR. Well, I know. I, honestly, I think he would. He might be leaning that way more. But what you what you say about a, buying a uh, a seat, Jonathan? That's interesting. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, I wasn't yeah. joking. They had to pay Ricardo out of his contract because he had another year at McLaren, and the the rumors are that it was worth twenty three million dollars. Yeah. Uh, and Mark Webber is his, uh, you know, and his manager and uh, sorry, not Mark Webber. He's his own manager. Um, Piastri's uh, Webber's uh, manager is uh, sorry. Webber. Yeah. Is yeah. Piastri's manager. Um, but no, I mean, he could, he could effectively buy his way into Alpine or Haas or any draw any, you know, Alfa Romeo because, because he's got that money. I mean, yes, you can put it in the bank, but he could take 10 million to a team like Haas and then what the heck? Maybe less, Jonathan. I like this. I like it just because I haven't heard anybody talking about this. Yeah. But uh, uh, by the way, I've got one more thing on Sergeant. Uh, it's a little known fact, but you get one point, one FIA super license point FP. for driving at least 100 kilometers during free practice. So, uh, and up to 10 points. So, you could argue that it once Sergeant is almost eligible they could throw him in the williams pre, pre, uh you know practice car on a friday maybe three or four times to pick up four points yeah well uh, obviously he's doing austin so he's got those yep. if he can That's get a an, point yep yep um so, brian says nico or giovanazzi going to haas would be so boring uh, yes i agree so that's the other option is that giovanazzi is uh, still a an asset to ferrari so He's a, he's a shoe in. I don't know why everybody's talking about getting rid of Schumacher. I, I just, did he do a bad job? I, you know, that it crossed my mind when we were doing this research today, because I was thinking, 
he hasn't done a miserable job. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of the year when he had those giant crashes and cost the team a ton of money, yeah. that was bad. But he, he redeemed himself to some degree for sure. He out-qualified Magnuson, I don't know what, uh, twice, I think. And yes. he either out-qualified him twice or I know he finished better than him at least once or twice. So, he, he you know, he certainly it, – it all started to click there. And so – who knows? Maybe, maybe that's right, Jonathan. Maybe he could just, maybe everything could turn around. Now we know the relationship with Ferrari is supposedly ending as well. That may be part of it. I, I don't. I mean, clearly that's part of it, but that may be a, a driving factor. Yeah, and I think the reason he's done that is that if you look at the two, the two drivers that Ferrari have got, plus their own academy, um, what's Schumacher going to do with a junior Ferrari drive? He's, he can only drive for Haas, which he currently drives for, Alfa Romeo or Ferrari. And Ferrari have two drivers that will surely be there unless they fall out, unless Leclerc gets fed up with being told the wrong things to do um, and leaves. So, and that's you can't plan your future on on Leclerc, one of the best drivers in the world, uh, to give up the ghost uh, yeah. or Carlos Sainz moves. It's not going to happen. I mean, in theory. All right, well, um, but the big story we haven't talked about, obviously, which is going to change the whole world, is whether Gasly stays yep. uh, or goes to Alpine. Yep, that is really that. That's where all the dominoes start falling because in Alpine, I have, I think that that that's the most likely thing to happen is Gasly goes to Alpine, and the other seats, the other possibles for that seat are Giovinazzi, Nick DeVries, uh, yep. Duan, Schumacher. Yeah. That's right. Um, but I think Nick Theo De, Nick De, Yeah, yeah. I think Nick DeVries is gonna end up at Alpha Tari. And uh, I put Alpha Romeo on there, but it looks like that, that's done with uh Zhou Guan Yu. So what do you think well, of especially with the Chinese Grand Prix? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what do you think about my thought of Nick DeVries alongside Yuki Sonoda at Alpha Tari? That would be helpful for Yuki. He, he's had a solid first year, but he's still rough around the edges. He's had a lot of uh, mental coaches and driver coaches, and they're trying to calm him down. Um, he gets very frustrated. Uh, he is, I mean, he was here at the Toyota Racing Series just two years ago. Um, I mean, you know, he is rough around the edges. He's a young kid, and he's vaulted into Formula One because of Honda. Um, and I think he's got the skills. He showed that in F2, but he's still very much rough around the edges, and I don't think... A world champion in Formula E like Nick DeVries could actually be a really healthy uh, help to him. Yeah, and let's not forget, DeVries is 27 so and and clearly yeah. knew what he was doing in an F1 car the other day after being thrown in one right after breakfast. Literally. Literally. Well, I, think that's, I think that's something uh, we started to talk a little bit about the other day when we were talking super license points and how Max got in before he was 100% qualified and proven. Well, he was immature, and he had a lot of issues first coming in. DeVries has that sense of maturity about him. Uh, he can be told to hold back a little bit and he gets the idea and the strategy. And so I actually give DeVries an upper hand on some of our other drivers that we're talking about. Yep. Yep. All right, guys, we'll get our last break in real quick. And when we come back, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to talk Coda a little bit because we are 30 days out and uh, there's some things that have been happening around here, getting ready for the USGP. And we'll talk about those back after these messages. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. 
Speed City. All right. Well, I'm going to let Les Kaiser talk about Circuit of the Americas for the USGP because we've had everything from new roads put in. That's going to be the most exciting thing for a lot of people being able to get in and out now that 400,000 people come there. But Les, take it away, buddy. Right. Hey, first off, I want to say everybody around the code organization has, has acknowledged the opportunities to improve things. And they have put a lot of effort into this. And I, so a lot of things are different. But honestly, the, their goal is to get you into the facility, get you into the spot as quick and safely as you can. So really pay attention to what we've got here. They're also out there on Circus of America's website. Uh, but here we go. Tickets. I hope you already got them because <laughs> officially they are pretty much sold out on three day. Uh, there are some travel packages. There's some other things we'll get into. But if you want uh, tickets, there's not a lot of opportunity to get uh, to get many of them. There's a few still on the website for single day passes. Yeah, I know a place to get some less. Uh, we work with the guys at Ticket City. If you uh, if your tickets are sold out on um, circuitamericas.com, Ticket City here in Austin is a great resource. And I say that because they're good guys, too. They they typically uh, they've embraced the Formula One at Coda and they have a pretty decent selection and uh, and they're good guys, too. You can trust them. And it's a it's a great organization. They've been around forever in Austin. So they're, they're a, yeah, a, I, a fixture. I used here. to buy concert tickets from those guys and uh, and have. And it, it's a great place. You know, those sold out shows. I mean, here's a great example of it. Coda's sold out. You can bet that Ticket City is going to have some. Last year, one of my buddies bought tickets there. And he said they were reasonably priced. He said, and more importantly, I didn't worry about getting scammed by yeah. going to Ticket City versus somebody I met in one of the, the you know, social media forums or what have you. So there's a great deal of comfort there. Uh, we had somebody that got uh, scammed on some tickets and, uh, you know, heartbreaking for you to make all that effort to get here. So uh, Ticket City, you're right, John. That's all right, a good one. Yeah, all right, what else, Les? Uh, shared hospitality. Uh, shared hospitality gets, you know, all kinds of premium things. I heard that those are starting out for around 1400 bucks a person for the weekend so uh that's where things start a lot of a la carte ride share is really important these ride shares uber lyft things like that they're not going to be dropped off on code of property this year they're going to be dropped off over at the dell valley high school a few minutes away and then it's a park and ride kind of situation from over there but it's dell complimentary too that also. that's a free free uh free ride there yeah yes and so be aware of that uh infield grandstands have come up the uh, there's new seating. You saw those get offered. They sold out, you know, blink of an eye. So why do you care if they're sold out? Well, that's impacted a little bit of the general admission. Their general admission spots are a little bit tighter on uh, locations because of these additional grandstands, but still there's plenty. And, uh, you know, do it. Here's what I tell my folks when they come to town, tennis shoes, earbuds, a pocket poncho and sunscreen and sunglasses, great walking shoes. Get there on Friday, walk around a general admission, scout out the place you really want to be for the race and get there, be waiting for the gates to open Sunday morning. So still a lot of great options. You talked about widening the road. Elroy Road went through a transformation over in the past year. This is now like a five lane wide road. It's one of the flex roads. It's engineered so that, you know, at one point there may be four lanes going in and one coming out and vice versa. They can adjust it throughout the day. So and we've driven that. Jonathan and I drove that not too long. I've driven it a couple of times since they did it. And it is, uh, it, it's like, a, it looks like an interstate. It is a massive wide road. So that is a, 
And that was a two-lane little tiny road. So that's going to make a massive in, impact on getting in and out. Exactly. Parking has mostly sold out. So be aware of that. And so the thing that is especially uh, to be aware of with that are the shuttles. Shuttles are going to run from three different locations. One of them is downtown. And if you ride from the one that's downtown, it brings you all the way over to Coda Boulevard. Great stop. It drops you off in a real convenient spot to the amphitheater Grand Plaza entrance. The other locations are Travis County Expo and Barton Creek Center, the uh, mall on the southwest side of town. Uh, Barton Creek is only running on Saturday and Sunday, but Travis County Expo, both of those places have free parking. But beware, they actually drop you off on Angus Road. There's a nice paved sidewalk from Angus Road drop-off point to the amphitheater. It is about a 15 or 20 minute ride, uh, excuse me, walk down that long trail. So take that into consideration, a little bit of difference. So be aware of that. It's really a big deal. Like I said, when we get back to the weekend schedule, the shows, everybody's there about the concerts. My daughters are all jazzed yeah. up. I'm going to be there for Green Day. They're going to be there for Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran's on Saturday. Green Day is on Friday. So uh, just be aware of those schedules. Uh, really go to the CODA website around the F1 event. There's a lot of detailed information and please pay attention. Things have changed and they put a lot of effort to really studying the impacts of all these changes and improving your experience around it. Jonathan, what about the schedule? Yeah, nice stuff, uh, Les. By the way, Green Day is Friday, but Green Day is every day for me. <laughs> um, no, I just want to let you know, we'll be on the mics, obviously, as we always are, but um, thank you. Uh, Masters Endurance Legends and Masters Historic will also be part of the Formula One weekend and the W Series. Uh, and bring your daughters out, uh, let them see motor racing in That's its full right. glory. The best women in the world, including the championship leader, Jamie Chadwick, who's about to race at um, uh, Singapore. She just did an Indy Lights test for Andretti Motorsport, could well be in Indy Lights next year with Andretti. Uh, and we've also got some skin in the game. Chloe Chambers, who came from F4, same as Ryan Sheerhan. She's in the W Series, uh, a young American from New York. So watch out for them. So the W Series plus the historics. And there might be a former world champion with a famous name that I uttered just a moment ago on the schedule. On the schedule? Mm. Mm. Yes, on the, on the yes. schedule. <laughs> Easy for you to say. That one. Uh, all right. Anything else on Coda? Because I want to talk about MotoGP. Uh, I know we don't talk a lot about MotoGP, but we love it, and we still you know, do when we can. So back in Japan for the first time in a long time, in a few years, I should say, uh, Marquez was on the pole first time in three years. And you know what, guys? He looked pretty darn good. Les, I know you were moving today. You didn't get a chance to see it. Jonathan, I don't know if you did. But yeah, he looked good, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, this is only his second run, um, and he had an okay run last week. Uh, but Paul, um, I mean, he finished fourth in the end, got yep. uh, got a got a last minute overtake on the last, second to last lap. But yeah, I mean, I mean, with Rossi gone, we need Marquez, uh, and Marquez is good is looking good. He won't have anything to do with the championship. Which, by the way, with Alicia Spargaro going out right at the very get go on the warm up lap. And then um, <laughs> Banyaya having a crash. Uh, of all things, weirdly, Fabio Quattararo, who had, didn't have a great weekend, uh, managed to get scrape an eighth or whatever, and now increases his lead just. So it's going all the way this year. Yeah. Did you see Pekel Bagnaya 
just missed Quattroaro by just a hair when he wiped out. I mean, he almost almost took Quattroaro out of the race with him. And did you see yeah. what Bagnias did when he stood up after he crashed? He gave himself a sarcastic round of applause. I thought that was... Yeah, we weren't sure whether he was, he was applauding himself for being an idiot or... <laughs> applauding Fabio, yeah, Fabio for coming across him, but I think it was more to do with the sarcasm. Yeah, I was giving him the benefit of the doubt and saying he was giving himself a hard time. But anytime Jack Miller wins a race, you yeah. you have to stay for the post-race interviews because he's, he's great. But he looked great, didn't he, Jonathan? He was probably his most dominant win. Uh, That's it, what the commentator says. Yeah, well, that was probably his best ever. Yeah. He's won three races before, but that was that was a really dominant performance where on a year where Ducati... Um, you know, are dominating, and he made the rest of the the, the caddy entries look pretty weak. Yeah, uh, Johnny Spa says Miller time in all caps. Yeah, Jack says Jack put on a clinic. He really did. It was really fun to watch, and he's just as fun to watch after the race in his uh, post race interviews. But uh, but yeah, it was it was fun to watch. Um, Darren Bender crashed out. Uh, that was sad to see that. Uh, did you see that huge fire? That uh, I think it was a Japanese rider, right? At the Japanese race, uh, this bike completely caught fire. And I thought we were going to shut the whole thing down, but apparently no oil on the track. But all right, guys, we're almost out of time. Uh, I want to make sure everybody remembers our, all of our shows. We're, uh, we got a lot of folks watching on YouTube. Thank you for that. Give us a like if you're on YouTube. That always helps us out. Um, and we have our our Formula One pre- and post-race shows with Bob Barsha joining us and Dave O'Neill when he can. He's one of the busiest men in motorsport, the former Haas F1 team manager. He's here in Austin. He joins us a lot. And, of course, Chris Mendelin and I do a midweek show that you can go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, and find out how to listen to Chris. As you know, Chris joins us on our Formula One shows live with a microphone, walking through pit lane and the paddock, getting us all those uh, cool real-time interviews. And guys, remember, we broke the the story of uh, Colton Herta being looked at hard by Helmut Marco and Red Bull. I mean, we were the first ones out live with that, and uh, that was really cool and, to have. And we just bought Zach Brown a new franchise. <laughs> yeah, we we just started another rumor. So, I mean, I would have fucked uh, the whole father. <laughs> Yeah, and exactly. we we broke that story too. That was we're gonna put that on a shirt. I think I think so too. <laughs> Definitely. All right, well, let's th- sell some for F one. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Watch us on Facebook and Twitter and all that too. And we'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. <laughs>